Hello, Stephen Dan Fouts here. We're veteran educators who've created the Teach Different Conversation podcast to inspire all of us to think deeper, listen with more intention, and understand each other better. If you're a parent, educator, or anybody who wants to think in new ways that build real understanding about what's important in life and to help others do the same, then you've come to the perfect place. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Teach Different podcast this week. We are very excited to have a quote today from a pioneer of the civil rights movement, Rosa Parks herself, who's going to have a really, really good quote on self-awareness that we're going to get to in a minute. Um, we're celebrating Black History Month here in, in February. So this, this quote fits really nicely into that um, period. To remind everybody about the, the Teach Different method, we're going to start with this, this stirring quote by, by Rosa Parks, and then we're going to take a look at what the quote means, interpret it, give some ideas for you, the, the listeners, on how you might bring this into the classroom with the, with the students, and maybe some, some ways that you can approach this, have the kids tell their stories, their personal stories about what the quote means to them, have them agree with it, right, is what we always say at Teach Different. Convince yourself that you agree with Rosa Parks. Then we're going to push against Rosa Parks. We're going to say, what is an equally powerful counterclaim that goes against what she says? And again, develop ideas on how we can bring out student stories in the exploration of the counterclaim. And then we'll end with, a, with an essential question. So let's get going here on this Rosa Parks quote on self-awareness. It's a great one. Each person must live their life as a model for others. Each person must live their life as a model for others. Steve, what's your take on this? This is a great one. Yeah, always check yourself. You know, don't get too selfish. Don't get too self-absorbed but think of your own life as being something that you can model for others. So like almost imagine that somebody's always looking up to you. You've got a younger brother, you've got a younger sister, every decision you make, every action you take is, is under scrutiny. And you really knew you need to think about other people to help you decide what kinds of decisions you want to make for your own life. You got to be other people focused. Yeah. That you're being watched when you yeah. are watched, you behave differently than when you're alone and you're thinking that you're acting when no one else is looking at you. So it's, it's conveying that idea that other people are watching your behavior. I got to jump in immediately with a personal experience I've been having this year at school. You know, the, this is um, part of the pandemic teaching, right? Everybody's kind of off their game. They're off their routine. And they're having you know, a difficult time. Uh, students are getting to class on time. This is something I've never really experienced in my career until the last few years. And what I always tell kids who come in late is that you know other students are, are watching you 
you know, they're, they're seeing your behavior and they're taking cues on how they should behave based on how you behave. And in, in, a, in a very um, simple, basic way, I think th that conveys this idea that people are being watched and that, you know, being a, a role model, you know, showing up on time, doing your work on time, being nice to people, being respectful has a lot of power that you don't even recognize really. But kids really need to know that, I think. Yeah, if it convinces them, you know, not all will be right convinced that, oh, okay, so I've got influence over my my peers here. So let me make sure that I don't, you know, break the rules because I don't want them following me. You know, it, it, it's, I was thinking about it from the perspective of a teacher, you know, and the adult in the room, you know, we have to be hypersensitive about our reactions to things and the way we deal with conflict. I mean, whatever our personality trait is and the way we function with human relationships and the words we choose when we're having a bad day and how we react, you know, to, to someone else's accomplishments and basically how we express our emotions. They're always on display in a class. That's being a teacher. Yeah. That's being a teacher. It, that's what it is, you know, and then you reap what you sow, you know, your classroom becomes an extension of your own I don't know, personality in a way, you know, and hopefully you made the types of choices that will make your classroom successful, but it's tough, right? Because human beings are everywhere. Teachers are human beings. You know, what does a teacher do with a day where they don't want to be there? You know, they're, they're, they're on another level, right? When you're talking about the peer dynamic, that's when it gets, it gets interesting. You know, it's delicate. They, it's delicate. Yeah. But but yeah. I think really important, like the part of our role as teachers, I would argue, is to help students understand the 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 consequences of their behavior that they are unaware of. Because, of course, we're growing up every everybody when you grow up, you're the so self-centered. It us. revolves around me. I'm not interested in other people. My actions are just my my own actions, and I don't have impact in the world. That is what goes through the mind of so many young people and older people as well. So I, I don't, this is an open question, you know, an open thought, how to teach that, you know, because I think that's a really important piece of wisdom that Rosa Parks is sharing here, that we we must live our life as a model for others it's it's the best way to live in many ways it is it is well look you're the father you've raised two kids i don't have any kids yeah so what would you say how is that experience how does that experience you know inform this quote to you does it make it more believable absolutely you're you're a model for your kids, whether you want to be or not. It, I mean, back to your, your point with, with teachers, we're stuck in a situation with students, whether we like it or not, we're being watched. It's five times as, 
as intense as a parent because you you can't escape it. You're, you're how you you talk, how you act, how you treat other people. You are being a model for for other people, and it, I think with parenting, there's there's more at stake in a certain sense because with teaching the bell rings and you're kind of liberated from their presence but with parenting you you have them no matter what through thick and thin and in that sense your responsibility for being a model is that much more heightened which is frightening and exciting at the same time it's incredibly rewarding and incredibly frustrating sometimes you might even have some elementary teachers push back on that one a little bit, right? Because if they have their class for the entire day, um, it, you know, it, it, there's, that's even a greater dynamic there and the need for modeling of behavior. I mean, I, it, it is an impossible balance sometimes. You know, we're teachers. We are fallible human beings. We are not perfect. We have limitations. The kids probably know them better than we do, all of our weaknesses and our character. But there's got to be something in you, I think, that just shows that at least you're trying, you know, and you haven't given up and you're, you're hoping the best for people. The kids pick up on that because that becomes like a belief in, a, in them, you know, yes. that they can do it. And it also sets the foundation for any expectations you're ever going to have for them. If you're not modeling them, you know, good luck. Yes. And also with mistakes, right? This is difficult because parents make mistakes all the time. Teachers make mistakes all the time. I think Rosa Parks' words, though, apply just as well in those times when we screw up as parents or teachers. How do we respond to right. our mistakes? Right. That's you know, what do you're we modeling. Do Right. We're then then the model is not I'm perfect. The model is I screwed up. Let me issue an apology. Here's what I did wrong. Here's yeah. how I'm reflecting on it. And then your kid, your own kids or your own students are seeing the modeling as the processing of failure, which is so important. Yeah, that, it's an yeah. impossible job. The, 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 teaching and parenting are impossible jobs. <laughs> yeah. And the model is never perfect. The model is like how you deal with failure. That's what yeah. you're modeling just as much as anything else. So, you know, I mean, it, it's it's pretty clear, I think. The claim So what the, the, the kids, I mean, the, the, just thinking about what the kids would talk about here. Yeah. Maybe ask the, the students. Has anyone ever looked up to you? There you go. Or who do you look up to? That's all you have to do. Yeah. Who have do you, you ever, look up to and why? Then you could get nuanced with that and, and say something like, have you ever felt pressure when someone is looking up to you where you, you kind of didn't choose to be a role model, but you found yourself in a situation where you had to take some responsibility for someone else because you knew you don't want to, you don't want to um, corrupt them or whatever, you know, that's, there'd be, they'd have a lot to say. Brothers and sisters are, are what they're going to bring up. This could be a sensitive one, though, in turn, a sensitive conversation. Some might go into that area of parents and role models that they have at home that are not behaving in ways that 
they want to emulate. So it'll some well, of these stories might I be think the sibling thing is safer. Yeah, sibling is safer. Or a friend that you know, you know. I'm saying I I would do I would well, you know, you got to go with where the conversation is going to lead and where people feel comfortable sharing. But I, I would say keep it to siblings and peers because they're going to mm -hmm. have more to say about that. I think just but but teachers, of course, you make the judgment in your classroom. Every classroom has a different dynamic. We all know this. So depending on when you'd bring this conversation up during the year and what kind of relationship you have with your kids, go with it. Well, what do you think the counterclaim is here? I really like the claim. <laughs> you know, don't, do, live your life for yourself. You know, make choices that are best for you. Okay, it sounds selfish, and I'm not trying to make this sound selfish. I'm, I'm I don't think this has to be, have a negative vibe to it or or a bad spirit to it, because you could always justify it and say, hey, you know, if I do me, and I'm happy and I'm fulfilled, th that's something that that is important for other people to see. If they want me not happy, not doing necessarily what I want to do and being who I want to become, but always worrying about how I'm being perceived by others and making sure that others see somebody who's trying to be perfect, that can create a lot of pressure on somebody, you know, that is not healthy. You know, there is a part of us that's just kind of like, you just got to accept and thinking about what, how you're coming off to others and always worrying about a be, being a role model is not, is not the best thing at all times. I think being I, you, people like you more. When I think you're the pressure, you. what you said about pressure nails it. If you're constantly under pressure of being a role model and you are constantly denying your own desires and wishes and feeling almost trapped by other people's expectations, that is not a healthy way to live. Yeah. Okay, now I'm now I'm going to the counterclaim. I'm almost agreeing with this just as much. I know a lot of people who are they're people pleasers. That they want to be the the model for everyone else, but you can tell that deep down they really don't feel comfortable in this role. And you know what? Truth be told, I kind of fall into this sometimes as well, where I won't say what I really think because I'll want to um, maintain this decorum and, and kind of a diplomatic face to things when really I should just give my opinion and, and be frustrated. People would probably respect me just as much. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking just personally how I've dealt with this. I think I have sided to on the counterclaim probably more often than the claim. Uh, again, I, you know, maybe it's a little bit of selfishness, uh, but I just, I don't want to miss an opportunity. And, and, and I, I do believe that if I am, you know, going after the things that are important to me and I'm taking care of myself, maybe thinking about myself first, I don't think that that necessarily is a bad thing, but it, you know, at times it probably has gotten me in a little trouble, you know, where. I'm probably being perceived in a negative way 
because, you know, I don't seem to be worried too much about being a role model to anybody. You know, I'm just kind of being Steve. Uh, so I don't know. That's on a personal level. On, from a student level and trying to anticipate what some of them are going to say on this counterclaim, you know, how many would side with this whole, let me do me. I think you're going to get plenty. Yes. Yes. I think students are going to make a really good argument that you should take care of your own issues and your own problems. And life is hard enough to live alone. And to, to try to be the standard for other people right. is like piling on responsibilities and stress that nobody needs. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I'm thinking of the leadership dynamic with peers and in younger people. A lot of times the, the leader in the room is not the one that's always trying to be a role model necessarily and show people, show other students, you know, how to be good and how to model good behavior. I'm not saying that they're not respected by other students. I think that they are. But there's another leadership dynamic, I think, when you're younger and it, for sure when you get older as well. If somebody is doing them and they're being themselves and, you know, they're having fun, they're being funny, they're not taking things too seriously, there may be being a little reckless, little bull in the china shop. You actually get people to follow you that way because they see your happiness, you know, or at least what they think is happiness. Well, right? in that you're, sense, though, you're being a role model. Well, that's what role, they could argue. Right, right. That's what. So I, I feel like that feeds into the claim more than the counterclaim. Well, then, so what's the question you could ask a, a student for a storytelling prompt? Yeah, you know, I think do you do you look up to someone who you wouldn't even call a role model if you were asked, but you still kind of want to be their friend, you hang around them, you know, are there people that that you I don't want to say the bad crowd, do you hang out with the bad crowd? Yeah, or, or you know, do, do you, you know, I, I think focus on asking them. Do, what are the times in your life when you rely on yourself, when you don't look for role models, you don't need them, you don't want them, but you think that you should live in a, in a singular way and do things the way you want. What are some examples of your life when you do that? You don't need or want, or they're not, where role models might not even be healthy for you. What do you, what do you love doing when no one's looking? There you go. Yeah. Just what's That's, your passion? And that, that would bring it out. I think you're right. Yeah. Then people would say the kids would be more, I don't know, uh, appreciative and they would acknowledge more the power of just doing something you love and being passionate about something, how that's important. Yes. And, yes. And people do want to see other people that are into their passion. It, it inspires people. Right. You know, so right. it's not like you're just but, but you do it, you do it alone for your own self-fulfillment. You don't you're responsible for your own behavior and your own passions, and it's not right. anything related to other people. Right. Right. I, I think they can connect with this. You no, know, and here's the other I was thinking of this as you as you were talking before. 
there are a lot of kids, at least in my school, in a high school, who care for their younger siblings. And many speak of the struggles and responsibilities of having to be a role model at a young age for younger kids. And they should and, be exploring. Right. And, and many say, I just want to do what I want. I feel like I'm growing up too fast and feel like I have, you know, so I think certain kids, again, depending on your class, depending on your clientele and the family situation of the kids in your, in your school, they might tap into that. The roles that they play as almost surrogate parents. You know, I've never thought about this, but this is where our teaching experiences are very similar. You know, the, the, the students where I was teaching in Chicago were, uh, had a lot of responsibilities. Some of them had a lot of responsibilities early, you know, and that's a, that's a tough burden. Yes. There. Yes. Um, God, because no one is perfect at that age. Just nobody's perfect. At my gotta, school, I have a lot of first generation immigrant families where the, the kids that go through my high school you know, know English really well, but their parents do not know English. And so they, they assume a lot of responsibilities in the household to, to manage their family, both in childcare and taking care of yeah. household business items. So yeah, that's, that's, a, that's an issue, definitely. Yeah, there's definitely testaments to bring out with this. Yeah. Okay, well, that's. I think we treated the the claim and the counterclaim really well. I I, I started with this one thinking that I was going to completely agree with the claim, but now I'm. I think I'm equally committed to the to the counterclaim on this. Well, here's a good maybe a, an essential question you could end um, this conversation with. I bet the kids would come up with a good question, so you always have to be on the lookout for that. But here's one. Should we be a role model for others? Should we be a role model for others? I mean, every kid. Yeah. Every kid would answer that right, differently. Like, like I'm remembering way back when, if people have heard of Charles Barkley, I am not a role model. And it got so much attention. You know, that's really the counterclaim. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. A good one to leave your kids with and get them thinking about getting them again, self-awareness is our theme for this, for this conversation. And this would make them more self-aware. And whenever you can help students think about their behavior and think about the impact they're having on others and how to be themselves versus how to be, you know, a, a, a role model for others. It's, it's good. It's important. And it makes them more self-aware. So, all right. Well, thanks everybody. This is, this was great. We're looking forward to, to next week's uh, conversation and everybody take care, bring this to the classroom. Thanks everybody. We hope you're walking away feeling energized by some great ideas and are confident that conversations like this are possible with just a little bit of planning and a three-step method. Make sure you go to teachdifferent.com to learn more and check out our library of conversation plans where we've compiled dozens of quotes, each with their own claim, counterclaim, and essential question. Good luck, and don't forget to teach different with conversations and make a difference every day.